everyone. Uh, thanks to everyone online for your patience. Um, we don't know why, but the live stream just would not start. So uh, we were uh, working on that, getting it all all together, and uh, it should be good to go now. So my apologies for not doing the welcome at the welcome, the appropriate welcome time. Uh, we'll do it now instead. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And I do have a, a couple of announcements that I wanted to make you aware of this morning. Um, and this is as follows. Out on the Welcome Center, um, some of us, there's a few of us in the world that still use checks in the world um, for our offerings. And so if that's you, uh, your boxes for next year are labeled out, out there, ready to go. Your name is on them and, and things. If you don't or you haven't or you didn't know such a thing exists, then if you do give during um, the week with a check, then it's a really nice way um, for you to remember and stick those in those envelopes and put them in the offering. That way it obviously keeps things a little more private, things like that. And for those that count, it also helps them um, just make sure everything gets in the right places. So if that's you and you don't currently use one, you can sign up for one and take a, a, one of the numbers that don't have names on it. Just put your name on that list that's sitting right there there with it. All right. Um, David asked me to just make a mention. Uh, he's lost a couple tech members. Uh, one of them is currently at home and will soon be having a child. And so uh, she won't be back for just a little bit. So if you might be willing to help out run the computer on a Sunday morning, he would love to talk with you. Just put your information on that connect card and that seat back in front of you and say, David, I could learn how to run the tech. It really isn't that hard. You won't have to be in charge of the live stream stuff. Um, don't worry about that. Uh, just advancing the slides for us back here for the, the audience at home and for for folks here uh, that, are, that are, are listening, all right? I wanted to remind you also that uh, we're having a Christmas Eve service. I'm not going to tell you when the date is. <laughs> we joked about that all week. You drive by a lot of churches. There's a lot of churches that have Christmas Eve service on the 23rd. Should we tell them? <laughs> no, just let it be. Okay, all right, whatever. Um, it will be on Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock. We do it nice and early, so that way uh, folks that don't like to get out after dark and things, we're in and out of here before dark ever sits in. And if you've got things you still need to do, which you shouldn't, it's Christmas Eve. You should be done with everything. You can come and just relax and rejoice with your family and then go home and prepare for that amazing day to, to follow. All right, so that'll be on Christmas Eve at 4 in the afternoon. All right, last but not least, um, we still have these missions. I told you I'm going to mention it until they're all covered. Um, I think we've got seven of them covered, but here's the thing. We know that there have been some tech issues um, on the website. We have a nice sign-up sheet. We keep sending you uh, links to sign up to sponsor or to uh, adopt, if you will, one of our missions. And we know that some people have submitted their requests online. We still don't have those requests. At first, it wouldn't send the email. Now it sends the email, but we don't have any idea where it's going. So somebody out there knows that you signed up to, to adopt one of these missions, but we don't. And so we are the ones that actually need to know that information. So I'm going to read to you the ones that are still available, and I'm going to continue to work with our website company and, and try to get those links working because we don't know what on earth is going on with those. Um, but they're still not sending the email to the proper place. So the ones that we still have left, no one has adopted our fine friends in Poland yet, the Christian camp over there. More importantly, just overall, uh, our Polish Christian ministries that we support and, and Andres, which again, some of us are going later on in the new year year, hopefully in March. Uh, nobody has adopted officially the Christian community counseling, community Christian counseling over in Terre Haute. And so that's another one that's still available. No one has officially adopted the crisis pregnancy center yet. And that one kind of surprised me. So I'm hoping maybe somebody has sent that email in and we just don't have it yet. It hasn't uh, jumped in. Harvest Prayer Ministries with Dave and Kim Butts. They've spent some time here with us and sent us a nice little video a few weeks ago right over in Terre Haute. An easy one uh, to adopt and kind of be a part of with them. Uh, Camp Ileana, no one has officially adopted that unless you send an email 
email. My apologies, we still just don't have it yet. Uh, helping his hands down in Vincennes, the Disaster Emergency Relief Organization. Uh, E2, the Effective Elders Group. Um, this would be a great thing, especially maybe for someone that used to be serving in one of those capacities to adopt and pray for that organization and the churches that they work with. Uh, nobody's officially adopted Forest Park over there, our, our church, our, our school that we've kind of adopted as our own, the Youth for Christ organization, which uh, Sarah Lawrence, yeah, what, what, hello, hi. Okay, I believe you. I believe you. Put it, well, you put it on paper because digital isn't working. I know we talked and we said as soon as, we'll wait and see, but yep, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. That was, for those at home, that's Mary Ray. She's letting us know that she has sent that in multiple times and we just still don't know. They're out there in cyberspace somewhere. We don't know where they are at all. all right, so those are the ones that, that are still left for us to, to choose from. Please adopt those folks. Our goal is by the end of the year to have all of those things uh, adopted all right, and ready to go um, for us. All right, so here, let's, let's do this. Let's start, since we had to do all the welcome and, and all of those things uh, now instead of when we were supposed to do them, let's go ahead and uh, pray and just kind of relax. And hey, who's calling me? That's neat. <laughs> I really should answer it. Don't you think? That'd be fun. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. See, I, that's why we're just, you know, just, hey, it's okay. It's all right. Father God, we thank you for this morning. What a blessing it is to be in your house. Father, we know uh, these are difficult times for so many. Uh, Father, we know so many in this room even have been through uh, challenging times in this year. Father, even someone on stage this very morning has had a miracle take place in their lives and has begun that healing process after a, a life-changing surgery. Father, what a blessing it is, I pray, that as believers we recognize your faithfulness in our life. And if we're at home watching this morning, joining us that way, I pray that we're thankful for the opportunity to meet even in that way. And we long for the day for everyone to join us once again. And Father, those that, that might tune in or might watch on down the road somewhere that hear the good news of the coming of your son and who he is and what he did for them, may that message resound. May the spirit begin a good work in those people and may they ultimately come to know your son as their Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, I don't know about you. It's been a crazy couple weeks in, in the Howell House, but, but things are almost back to normal, um, and that's a good thing. With one week of school left to go, I think the schools are here still in this next week, right? Yes? Okay, so we got one week left to go until uh, the, the Christmas break settles in. So here we go. Last year, or last year, last week, um, you guys did an awesome thing for us, and we just wanted to th say thank you. Uh, so many of you took the moment and filled out those little tear-offs and put those in the offering for us. And if, if you saw, uh, if you follow us on Facebook, then you saw that over in the office, we've begun some changes there too and some painting. And McKenna has painted those cabinets and used chalk, uh, chalkboard paint on them. And so she took all of those requests, all I want for Christmas is, and put them on those, those, uh, those cabinets for us to see as we walk in. We also typed up a nice list list for us to have with us to pray over. And um, some of those requests, those are genuine and you can tell, you can tell. And so thank you for being willing to be honest and share those with us. And we pray that you continue to do those things and know that we genuinely do care about you as the body of Christ. And we want to be praying for these things. We want to help you through these things. And if there's more specific things, more specific help that's needed, talk to us, see us, because you never know how God might connect those dots. He does an incredible job of that, all right? Now each year, this time of year, we get to just refocus on the origins of our faith. How precious are those origins? The incredible plan that God put in place before the creation of man. So many people think, oh, well, God came with this, up with this after the fact. He created man. Man messed it all up. So God had to come up with plan B. No, we didn't. 
This was plan A from before you and I were ever created. A plan that ultimately has brought the hope of redemption, the hope of forgiveness, the hope of everlasting life and an eternity with our creator. A magnificent plan, a glorious plan. But as I said last week, it was carried out in the most humble, most unspectacular, inconsequential, seemingly irrelevant way that God could have possibly done it. He did. He did. Everything about God's gift to mankind should have probably been lost in the annals of history. There's a lot of Jewish history out there. This could have easily been forgotten, but it wasn't. It wasn't. God chose the irrelevant to give us his greatest revelation. He chose the unspectacular to put into place this elaborate plan to rescue all of mankind. He chose a humble beginning in a stable with that young virgin and a carpenter to bring the King of kings and the Lord of lords to this very earth. And last week, we looked at Jesus coming from the perspective of a group of people that just wanted God to show up. God, would you just be real in my life? Can you just come in and stop this? Will you intervene and help stop the, the overthrow of Judah? Help stop the exile that they knew was inevitable when this happened? Now, Isaiah's prayer, it was answered. Absolutely, it was answered. But it was not answered in the way that Israel had hoped. God's plan was in motion, but it was another 700 years before the final deliverer would arrive for not just the Hebrews, but for us. And in yet another twist, God did not come in the way that all of Israel had always anticipated that he would come as this conquering king. What the people wanted and what the people needed were not one in the same as so is so often the case for us today, right? The people were pleading for one thing, just like people today. People today are pleading for something. They're even fighting for things that they want or things that they feel are right. And here's the reality. God will often go ahead and allow us to pursue those paths, won't he? Even though he knows that's not what we need. In fact, many of us have chased that path. And at the end, we found some pain and some heartache and some harm to individuals and maybe even society as a whole. As believers, the challenge becomes for us to pray to God, believing that he hears us first and foremost, that he will show up and that he will provide exactly what we need instead of oftentimes what we want. And that's hard. So right now I ask the question, could any of us, could any of us use a little good news right now? I mean, let's just be honest. We all need a little good news. Now, for some of you, it might take a little more than it does for me to excite you or, or to make you happy. You know, I'm a pretty excitable person. The littlest thing can sometimes do that for me. Let me give you a for instance. I can go to Kroger, and I can happen to pass by the butter, and I can see that the good butter is on sale. Now, those of you that cook and bake and actually enjoy flavor know the difference between the generic and the good. And I've never been able to afford it until recently, but uh, the Challenge Butter has been on some great sales recently. And I'm getting it for less than $2. It's cheaper than the Kroger kind. And it's better. I'm just telling you. And that really brings excitement. And then I get to the checkout and I check out. And what does Kroger do? But they print off another coupon for me to come and use to buy more butter. So our freezer is full of butter. If you didn't know, you can freeze butter. Our freezer is full of butter. Because of such things, yes, little things like that can do it for me. Walking by the clearance aisle or the clearance rack and finding that thing that you didn't even know you needed, but it's on such a good clearance price that you can't afford not to buy it. And oh yeah, I've got a coupon too. You know the people, you know what I'm talking about. Some of us live that reality, right? 
Those little things, those little things can excite us. It is, it is true. It's almost like they're giving it to you. What, what do you do with that? Have you ever read a headline or heard a story on the news and it literally just kind of stopped you in your tracks and brought a smile to your face? You're like, wow, man, that is, that's awesome. That's awesome. Honestly, anymore, those stories are hard to come by, are they not? Most of us have to rely on a cute Facebook video or some meme online to kind of bring that smile to our face. It is hard to find good news. You see, the world has suppressed it to the point that now if you or I have some good news, we're afraid to even share it. Why? Why? Because if we speak out, then someone is going to resent us because we're announcing something good has happened. Or someone's going to make us feel guilty for something good happening to us. Someone is going to ask, what crimes against humanity did you commit in order for this good thing to come about for you? And so we keep it all to ourselves. Ultimately, the reality is everyone is starved for good news. The reality of the world in which we live is that Jesus told us this was the case. John 10, 10, he says, the thief, a.k.a. the world, it's only here to steal, kill, and destroy. It's only here to depress you, to upset you, to anger you, to make you bitter. That is the role of the world in our lives. It hasn't changed. But Jesus came to give you something different. He came to give you life and life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. Good news does not make good news, you see, in the world that we live. As a matter of fact, good news does not make money. <laughs> Therefore, it's put off to the side. Evil sells. It absolutely does. Evil makes money, violence, lying, cheating, stealing. That is what people want to watch. We can deny it as long as we want to, but all you have to do, I did a quick survey. I literally went online, looked at the weekday lineup of every network channel. Didn't even get into cable, just the network channels. 68%, 68% of the shows during prime time are completely based around murder, violence, or sex and betrayal. 68%. Keep in mind that Hollywood would have done more, could they have, but because of COVID, they couldn't create as much <laughs> this last year. So they're throwing game shows and things like that on during prime time to try to fill the void of what they would have potentially created. Movies, video games, music, they all glamorize those same things. And of course, we, even as good Christians, we, we completely permit it. Why? Because we say, you know, it's just a movie it's just virtual reality murder. It's not real murder, right? So it, there's no consequences for that. I'm not actually harming anyone, am I? <laughs> I wish that were true, maybe. But the reality is, even if you aren't harming anyone else, you are harming yourself because you're filling your mind and your heart and your time with acts, whether real or alternative reality, virtual reality, they are in existence. Evil drives each and every one of those industries, while any form of God is left to, uh, any form of good is left to a low-budget film or some cut-rate network that struggles to even find any viewers. Since this is what we are surrounded by, some might even say that we are really actually held captive by this thing. Since it's everywhere we look, it's not a mystery why people would be longing for good news, is it? I don't think it is. We were created to feed off the goodness of God. That, that's what God designed us to live, to thrive on. And what have we done instead? Well, we've replaced that with a steady diet of evil. 
Please note, remember, this is by choice. We all have a choice as to what we watch, what we play, what we partake of in this life. And unfortunately, even believers are now starting to starve for something good in their life, in this culture. Brothers and sisters, the reality is this. If you want, if all you want for Christmas, maybe, all you need right now in life is some good news. If you are a follower of Christ, get, in a moment we'll get to the hows and the whys and the where's, but I'm just gonna be honest, give you a little preview. You've already heard and claimed to believe the greatest news ever given to mankind. Today's text comes from the book of Isaiah once again. Go ahead and turn with me. Isaiah chapter 40 is where we're at. <clears throat> the words given to Isaiah by God are all over the map in his letter. Some are so uplifting and encouraging, like I read toward the end of last week, and I'll mention again today because it's part of this chapter, actually, while others are as dark and depressing as anything you could possibly imagine. Isaiah's prayer throughout this entire time that he's pleading with God is for the people of God to turn once back to him and God to spare those people. As we saw a few weeks ago in Thanksgiving, God did hear Isaiah's prayer in the case of King Hezekiah and the attack of the Assyrians. And that was put off and pushed back until later when the Babylonians came in and took over. And this whole story, all of Isaiah's words take place during about a 50-year time period when Isaiah was the prophet of Israel. Listen to the good news from Isaiah, keeping in mind that God has revealed all of this ahead of time. What Isaiah is recording for the people of Israel are not things that are actually going to happen in this moment. There are things that are going to happen into the future. This is a time before the Babylonian captivity begins, before they're carried off. It's a hope for their future, their eventual release one day and return home. These words even reference the eventual coming of the Messiah, Israel's Savior. So Isaiah chapter 40 is where we're at. Verses 1 through 11 is where we will start. Isaiah writes, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, a voice of one calling. Some of you might recognize this. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All the people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on the high mountain. Who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, this, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. And he gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Now, these prophetic words were written for a future moment long after the time of Isaiah. 
They were meant to be heard while the Jews were actually in captivity, in bondage, in Babylon. The time would soon come that this message, this comfort, this is a part of God's promise to restore the nation of Israel and more. The Jews were left to cling to these exact promises during the 70 years that they were in captivity, the length of most of our lives here on earth. God reassures them that He is in control, that He alone will determine the fate of His people. God wants them to survive, and actually God wants them to thrive even in their current situation as a nation, but ultimately under His rule once again. Isaiah is spending time reassuring the people that a day will soon come when their time has been served, their punishment has been paid, and their sins forgiven. God will soon end their suffering and restore His glory. Now, I mentioned as I was reading, some of you might have recognized verse 3. It's a famous passage in the New Testament that we use referring to the coming of John the Baptist in the Gospels. That's a topic for another day. Because in this context, it had nothing to do with that moment, but actually had to do with the physical return of the Israelites back to Jerusalem. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert the pathway for our God. God is revealing to them. This verse appears just a little bit prior to this, the description. Isaiah in chapter 35 defines this verse a little more fully. This is a repeat, if you will, from Isaiah. There's a deeper explanation. If you're close, you can turn to Isaiah 35, 8, where he describes this in more detail. Isaiah writes, And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion singing everlasting joy with crowns on their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That much more fully describes what he's talking about, this highway, prepare it for the Lord, because here's what the Lord is going to do as you return home, people of Israel. This is good news. If you're in captivity, you're longing to return home, and you read this, whether it's for your generation or the next, you would be encouraged by these words. Would you still be wanting God to show up and do it right now? Absolutely you would. But the Lord is coming. He is coming to help his people. So prepare the way. Get ready. Those that are in captivity could have easily lost hope. And the Lord, and I'm sure many did, the circumstances that they were in should have probably driven them to despair. But the words of the prophet were meant to inspire them to get ready, to believe that the Lord will return. An everlasting joy will crown their heads rather than the oppression that is currently being placed on them. You see, these verses, these prophecies are for a future time when God will rescue those beyond just the Jews as well. You see, this rescue ultimately occurs through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Isaiah points out the frail and temporary nature of human life. And he compares that with the eternal existence, the value and the strength of the word of God, reminding them that his, through his words, that the prophet will, at just the right moment, all of these prophecies will be fulfilled. In verse 9, Chapter 40, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on that high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Isaiah speaks of such good news 
that it should be spread as far and wide as it possibly could be. This good news challenges all of us to behold our God. It makes it our mission to discover His greatness and His character. Hopefully, many of you, after the last series that we went through, you are aware of how to discover God's goodness, God's greatness, God's character. That is, of course, by looking very deeply into His Word. Not passing by, not just a passing glance, but a deep desire to know Him and to discover who He is, to discover how much He loves each and every one of us, to understand the lengths He went to to save us. How on earth could we keep that inside? We must shout it out just as Isaiah is asking the Israelites to do when they return home. We must shout it out from the rooftops. We got to shout it out to anyone who will listen. We must give them a taste of the Lord so they can taste the Spirit and see that it is good. They will taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34, 8. It's our duty as believers to do that, but it goes beyond that. Duty sounds like something you have to do. There's no choice in the matter. You're forced to do it. But as a believer in Christ, it should be your desire to share the good news of Jesus. But the good news doesn't even end just there. Just like the promise <clears throat> continued for the Israelites, there's more for us as well. Verse 10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. God is promising the Israelites that his mighty arm the military side, yes, will fight and allow them back into the promised land and offer them peace and security once again, at least for a time. He will be their great protector. He will bring them a great reward for being his people, a gift from God himself. The good news is this. The promise is not for ancient Israel alone. It's for us. It's for us as well. Jesus will return and he will establish peace and he will punish his enemies and he will reward his children once again. There's a difference, though. This reward will be for all of eternity, and it will be for his, and we will then be in his physical presence as well. I ask, is this the type of good news that the world is needing today? Is this the hope that we should truly be seeking? Is this the cure that we should really be longing for? Or has the world got us off mission? Are we so distracted by the bad news that exists all around us? Has it kept us from sharing the hope that so many of us possess? See, Isaiah ends this part with a thought. After sharing with all of Israel about the power and the might of God, about the reminding them that he, he is who he is, the might, the power, his word lasts forever, he then says that God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs, in verse 11, in his arms. He carries them close to his heart, and he gently leads those that have young. Now, I want you to consider this as a picture. This is a word picture of God's love for you and for me. The Lord feeds us like a shepherd would his sheep. We must only be willing to eat. Then the description goes a step further. The image of God lifting up the most vulnerable in the flock. Think of who that is right now in our society. In this case, he describes them as the young lambs and carries them close to him. He just snuggles right into those lambs, puts them in his care in a place of protection, a place of warmth and comfort, a place of love as close to the heart of the father as could be described right there in his chest. There's something that I want you to take note of with this passage. Who is it that reaches out? 
Who is it that reaches out and picks us up? Did God send an angel to go and do this meaningless work here on, on, on earth for these, these worthless humans that are always messing up? Is that, is that God's approach? Did God create some human program or human institution? Now he did recruit us to help. But is that who does it in this verse now? No, it's God. It's God himself and Jesus himself who comes and picks us up and holds us close. If you have not began a relationship with Jesus yet, and maybe right now you don't even think you want one, I want you to know that this is how your God feels about you. He longs for you to come to him. He is right there with you waiting right now so that he can pick you up and bring you in so he can love you, so he can protect you, so he can bring you warmth and peace, to give you hope for today and for tomorrow, to forgive you from whatever guilt and shame might plague your life, to free you from a fear that might be paralyzing you right now in life. That is a real issue for so many, to guide you through the darkness and the confusion of the world in which we live, to bring peace in the chaos. God, all I want for Christmas is some good news. Now, those might not be the exact words, that you hear people saying, but it's certainly a thought that's on their minds. And as believers, we are called to be the bearers of the good news, all caps, emphasis included, not just some good news. The greatest news mankind has ever heard began on the day that we'll be celebrating in 12 days. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, came to this earth to set into motion the final stages of a plan to save all of humanity. These hopes that Isaiah recorded allowed the Israelites to keep the faith and to have hope in what had to be an unimaginably difficult time while they were in exile, forced to leave their homes. When all hope was lost, what were they left with? The word of God. And they turned to it and they found their hope in that very place. Isaiah goes on to remind them of, Israel's, <clears throat> of Israel of their place and their relationship with God reminding them of his power, of his presence in all creation through all time, reminding them there is no one, Israel, don't forget, there is no one who compares to me, your God. And at the end, he ends with a verse that I read to you last week. This is just now in context, Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 27. He says it this way. Why do you complain, Jacob? He's not talking to a person, Jacob. He's talking to the nation of Israel, Jacob. Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God. D do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Church, I ask, is that where so many of us are today? Do you think maybe Isaiah wrote that to me? Let me replace the word Jacob. Chris, why do you complain so much? Chris, why do you think that I don't know what you are going through? Do you think I've forgotten you? Do you forget who I am, God? The everlasting, eternal creator, God. I don't get tired. I don't need a break. In fact, I'm the one who gives strength to those who need it the most. Even the strongest people get tired and will fail on their own. But Chris, 
I just want to remind you that if you're willing to place your hope in me, then I will renew your strength. Quit trying to do it yourself. I will fill you up when you seek me, when you rely on me instead of on yourself or fill in the blank with whatever else you might rely on. If you rely on me, then you will soar above everything else. You will have strength to continue to pursue me no matter what gets in your way. And you will be renewed in the Lord, fresh strength for each and every day of life that, oh, by the way, I am the one who gives you. The next day is not guaranteed. That is a gift from me. I'll be the one to sustain you in every day that I give you. I want to point out something from this verse that if you look at it, it might seem a little backwards. It's fascinating the way that God reveals these to us. I want you to notice the order. The first thing we do is fly. That's the hardest task, is flying. Then we run, and then finally we walk. Does that seem a little bit out of order? Shouldn't we start walking and then eventually fly with God? Well, in order to meet with Jesus, we must first, through His power, soar with Him to heavenly places. Paul records it this way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. We are soaring in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. No, it's a gift of God not by work so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, we are God's handiwork, we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for all of us to do. You see, we must soar to him first. Then we set ourselves on a course to run this race. This is a famous illustration in the New Testament. Paul mentions it several times, 1 Corinthians 9, 2, or Galatians chapter 2. The author of Hebrews even brings it into the fold in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance that marked out for us. How do we run the race? Well, we can only run it one way. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Again, think of our world. Think of our lives. Think of the opposition that you and I will absolutely experience if we stand up for Christ. And always remember Christ and the example that he set, the opposition he endured, the opposition he endured from sinners, from us, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There it is again. There it is again. We can only run the race if we fix our eyes and place our hope in Jesus. When we grow weary, when we start to lose heart, has anyone grown weary this year? Has anyone lost a little heart this year? Anybody a little frustrated, a little upset, a little angry this year? Maybe you're feeling it right now. Please be encouraged. Follow this example. Remember who Jesus is. Fix your eyes on him, not on the things of this world, not on the false hopes that this world provides, not on the fear that grips society, but focus on Jesus alone. The final phase, we first soar, then he gives us the strength to run, and then we finally are called to walk. Those words I just read from Paul in Ephesians 2.10 moments ago, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do so that we could walk in them. To the Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, <clears throat> Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk in him. 
the Old Testament prophet Micah, famous verse. So many people know this verse. O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. King David in Psalm 119.1, Moses in Deuteronomy 5.33, the apostle John in 1 John 1.7 all say the same thing. We are to spend our lives, our days on this earth, walking with God. Church, that is incredible news. God, think of it. God, the creator of the universe, who sent his son Jesus to live among us, to show us his great love, to teach us how to live, to give us the perfect example of how to serve one another. This same God who died for us now lives in hopes that we would choose to walk with him. And that is good news. God wants to walk through this life with each and every one of you. All I want for Christmas, God, is some good news. I got to say, church, this is beyond good news. Now, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by bad news. We're surrounded by people who have been locked up, some literally, held captive by all types of forces in this dark world, a world of isolation and loneliness. There's only one author that wants that for a person. This year, more than ever, people are Suffering. They have been deceived by so many sources, from media to politicians, other sources, all putting their hope in something that might exist on the horizon. But if or when, here's the dark reality of the world in which we live, if and when that specific hope comes to realization, guess what? Not only will the individual not really gain a whole lot of hope, maybe in the moment there'll be a little. The reality is something, quickly, I predict, will come right afterwards setting those same people back into the ways in which they were living. There's just another setback waiting. I know, it's not a happy thought, but it is the reality of the fallen world in which we live. Now more than ever, we need to show people the love of God. We need to experience the love of God in our lives. If you happen to be experiencing any of these symptoms throughout this year, don't give up. Don't ever give up. If your hope is fading, don't give up. God is right there with you. Pray that he will open your eyes to see Jesus. Pray that God will show you in his word. Pray that he will use someone, anyone, to his ex express his love for you in a real and tangible way right now. Don't go through this alone. Allow the church, allow us, the body of Christ, to come alongside you in these times of despair. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, the world wants nothing more than to keep you from ever, ever considering the idea of reaching out to him. The world does not want you to experience his love. The world does not want you to know the truth of who he is and what he did for you. And so that's what's so fascinating about you being here this morning, whether in person or online or watching this a decade from now. Somehow, someway, the Spirit prompted you to be a part of this. And so now you know, you've heard all of these things and the truth that exists in them. Come to him. Come to him now, whenever now might be, so that he can set you free. Today could be the day that you receive the best news anyone could ever receive as God now calls you his very own. You are adopted into the family of God as you receive the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the love of a personal Savior, your Savior. And Christians, we do. We have the good news. We have the cure. We have the anecdote, whatever you want to call it. We have the vaccine. The Savior has come to this world, and he's conquered sin 
and death, a fate that awaits every human being. While the world awaits this distribution of what I pray will be a life-saving, life-changing vaccine, it will likely prevent millions potentially of deaths around the world. It's all true, and we all pray that that is God's will, and that does happen. But the reality is this. We hold the cure in our hands right now to save billions from an eternity apart from God. Don't miss this Christmas season. Everyone's hoping in something from this world, and we have a hope inside of us that's beyond this world. We must share it with everyone we come in contact with. Father God, as we consider this incredible news that you have to offer us. So many of us in this room have accepted, so many watching online have accepted this good news on our own, but yet we still get down, we still get discouraged. The things of this world will drag us to places that we don't want to be. Father, may our hope be restored today. May your peace come in and comfort us. May our fears and anxieties go away. Father, will you guide, will you protect us, will you lead us in the ways that we should go? You promise us you will if we just ask. If we're willing to follow you, you will send us where you need us. Father, let that be our cry this season to whoever you need us to go. Let us go and deliver that encouraging good news. Father, with those that we know that have been forced to be at home, those that, that have a, a, a difficulty, a health problem of some kind that has forced them to stay at home or forced them to remain isolated, may we find creative, unique ways to reach out to those people and encourage them, even if it's just dropping off something on their doorstep. Anything to help those in need. Father, if we have been discouraged, may your spirit lift us today. Let us believe that your spirit can do that. Let us walk from this place today with our spirit renewed, ready to face the world, ready to celebrate the day that we believe the world now celebrates your Christ coming to this earth. And Father, if there's someone watching, and we know there always is, who doesn't know you yet, who doesn't know this hope, who is confused, depressed, concerned about this world and all it's bringing their way. Father, may they find you today. May they sense your spirit in their room, on their computer, wherever they are. May they just sense your presence with them in a way they never have. Let them ask for the first time, God, God, will you be my savior? Let them be in a relationship and I pray that we get to follow up and lead them closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.